0: listener, thanks so much for tuning in to Sit Still with Sierra. I'm your host, Sierra Lyons. This podcast is not only dedicated to helping listeners become more self-aware, introspective versions of themselves, it's also a space for us to have unconventional conversations not often had in traditional church spaces. I hope you're sitting still and ready for a topic of conversation. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. Welcome back or welcome if this is your first time to sit still with Sierra you picked a really good episode to click on because you're in for a treat we have a really special guest and she's someone that I've been wanting to interview for a while actually so um, I'm excited to pick her brain today to get her perspective on some things and just have a really fun episode so let me just go ahead and introduce the listeners let me introduce all of you to Melissa Um, hey you there Melissa (laughs)
1: Hi! Hey. <laughs> Hello, everyone.
0: Hi. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me and sitting still with me um, for just a few minutes to have a really good conversation. Um, I, Like I said, I've been wanting to speak to you for a while, um, and I think that the listeners are going to have um, really good takeaway from our conversation. So, first off, just how is the new year going for you? How are things?
1: Anything! good honestly I um I'm kind of thankful for why I I won't say that I'm thankful for COVID because I'm not (laughs) COVID could catch these hands but I'm kind of (laughs) thankful for this second wind of being at home and working from home um just having more time with uh my daughter having some sufficient time uh to rest recover from the holidays recover from a really busy um 2021 but also um to prepare for the influx of clients that I have for the 2022 kind of wedding year. I'm sitting at six weddings um, and two pending um, for right now. And that's just for the first half of 2022. I'm sure at some point they'll start trickling in, which is naturally around um, around February, March, the tail end of 2022 will be like, okay, we need a planner now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about where we are right now as far as clientele and um yeah it's been a it's already a good year and we're only we're only 18 days in
0: so I guess that's a good sign yes that's awesome that's awesome so for the listeners that may be unfamiliar with who you are you are a wedding planner as you just kind of you know gave us a little sneak peek of and I'll be asking a ton of questions about that um later on, but so you said you have six right now. So what is like a uh I don't even want to say normal, but like, um what is kind of like an average number that you take on?
1: Right now, I average about ten to twelve weddings a year, um, and that's because I'm still fairly new in the in the wedding planning industry, or at least formally. Um, But I hope at some point to take on about 15 to 20 so that I can spread them out. Most of my weddings have been back to back. So uh, December was pretty quiet. I only had one wedding, but then October I had four. So like each weekend I was gone. Um, So I'd kind of like to spread them out a little bit better uh, this year. But it all just depends on request uh, level of um, intensity or what work is required for that wedding. Um, as well as a date because I'm like I can't be like you know I have too many weddings in October can you change your date or things but I try to make yeah. myself as flexible as possible especially if the workload isn't too um, too arduous in between so I have time to recover.
0: Gotcha gotcha there I, I, I obviously know nothing about the world of wedding planning <laughs> besides watching the wedding planner I think that's like uh-huh. as deep as my knowledge goes so that's really uh-huh. really interesting to hear but like October sounds like you were booked and busy, so I will want to ask you more about that later, but I want to start off with an icebreaker, um, trying to implement this to all of my guests. So I just randomly thought of this while I was writing off the rundown for this episode, but what is your go-to coffee shop order? Because I feel like I spend a lot of time working out of coffee shops, and I'm not a coffee person, but I'm just always curious to hear what people like to order at coffee shops.
1: Honestly, sis, Same. I'm not a coffee person either. Like, I wake up like the Energizer Bunny, and I'm ready to go, Mm -hmm. you know? I usually don't need any help unless it's, like, a hard morning where my daughter is like, listen, we're not doing this today. And I'm going to be like, oh, wait. I may need something to to pick me up. But for the most part, when I I order at a coffee shop, it's either going to be a hot chocolate or a white hot chocolate and a slice of banana bread. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is, like, my my go-to and now if we're if we're switching up the tempo and going to like a different coffee shop then it's going to be a hot chocolate and a um, a vanilla donut or vanilla frosted donut with sprinkles because um, oh, that is like a, a necessity for me if I ever go to Dunkin
0: Donuts that's my order but for the most part I'm usually kicking it with the banana bread at Starbucks. Ooh, I love banana bread. When I was already making banana bread so much before the lockdown and everything happened, but especially when it happened, I'm going to put you on. You have to use Chrissy Teigen's recipe for banana bread. It's oh, it's a game changer. It's okay. Yes. I just put you on to something. But that, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I like it when people are also not coffee drinkers either because I feel a connection because I, I just, it, it's too much for me. Like my heart. It's a lot. Um, Let's get back into your whole wedding planning experience. So when did you first um, realize that it piqued your interest, wedding planning, and how did you get into it? Well, um,
1: I want to say that my interest was piqued around the time that I was getting married. So this was about three, three and a half-ish years ago because my husband proposed February of 2018 and we ended up getting married December of um of 2018, and I um I realized that there was a need for a wedding planner because I I had a lack of one. Um, I didn't have a wedding planner. I planned my wedding from start to finish, and it was miserable. Um, just thinking about contacting vendors. I was living in Pensacola. My um my now husband, of course, was stationed in California because he was in the service but my wedding is in Miami where I'm from. So I'm like planning, um, from, you know, city to city, trying to fly down there, trying to drive down there and make trips here, this, that, the third, trying to see, um, my fiance at the time, of course, trying to make sure we have time together. Um, and then when I moved to California, then it was planning cost, uh, cross country. And that was just, really really stressful and i didn't have any help and what happens for me is that a lot of what i feel inspired from um is birth from having a need um having a need personally and being like you know what i didn't have this so i want to be this for other people because i can imagine just how um how awful i felt in the planning process how awful other people must feel and i don't want them to experience that because even though my wedding day was beautiful, I can't say that I enjoyed it as much as I would have liked to. I was just so relieved that the pressure was off, but I wasn't really soaking in like the day. I wasn't really excited about, um, about the moment or as not as much as I'd like to be. Let me say that. Uh, but yeah, honestly, um, I, I really feel like my passion sparked from Just knowing that there's a need um, because I experienced having that need and wasn't able to fill it for myself.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a lot to have to consider. You're trying to plan something with three locations in mind. And I think about that a lot, honestly, with weddings. Um, I think a lot about the day of, how tiring Mm -hmm. that probably is. You wake up super early if you have a wedding in the evening, like you're on go like the whole entire day let alone the months prior of the whole planning phase so yeah it's definitely um, a need to have a wedding planner because I can imagine how many people just like you maybe didn't enjoy their day as much as they could have because it's just a lot like it is so much and so having an expert that can come in and alleviate that stress is is so awesome that's so oh, that's so important I'll call you when I get married <laughs> I already have one Please, <laughs> I'll be like, come on now. As soon as you get engaged, I'm over here like, let's go. Let's make it happen. That's let's make it happen. that's awesome. So yeah, wedding is one of those most important days um, for a person's life. You know, there's certain things you can count on your hand. Graduation or having your, your child or having your wedding. Like those are really, really monumental moments. How does it feel to know that you get to play such a big part of someone's special day? Honestly, it is one of the most
1: fulfilling um, things I've devoted myself to. It is one of the best feelings in the world uh, when couples pull me aside at the end of the night and they're like, I don't know that I would have really enjoyed this day had I not hired you um, and things. And like seeing them stress-free when I tell them, like, hey, this has already been taken care of. I already did this or this is already done. You're free to relax. Go sit down. Don't worry about this. Um and it resonates in the way that they review me as well. They're like, "My goodness, I don't know that my day would have been the same without Melissa and her team and things." And I think that kind of renews my sense of purpose as a person. I live to serve. Every aspect of my life involves some form of of service. And I mean, I operate as a couple of things. Um <laughs> in In the industry, I mean, I work as a missionary for university i 'm currently in school pursuing my master's in family and marriage counseling um i'm a mom i 'm a wife, and all those other fun things in between. But my wedding planning business was like another child for me um and I realized how God has kept reiterating that relationships is kind of my thing like it 's the thing that people seem to come back to me for and um, being able to create special moments um, and make people feel special, make people feel, you know, excited and worthy and, um, you know, and loved and in love um, is just so it's I don't know. It's just it's a part of who I am. And I really enjoy that feeling of satisfaction, knowing that a couple felt good um, on their wedding day and they felt at peace and they felt, you know, distressed and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. You definitely have to, you mentioned, um, like you love to serve, but it also seems like it takes having a gift for administration, for sure, all of the planning that goes into it. And I think some people don't realize that the ability to organize and administrate really is a gift. Like not everybody has it. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's a very challenging, high Quick, fast paced, or sometimes I'm sure it's slow paced, but for the most part, it seems like it's you know you have this deadline of their wedding date, and you have a lot to get done before then. Um, tell me, what are some of the challenges that come with the job, or what's just even something about the role that you play that a lot of people may not even know goes into being a wedding planner?
1: Some of the challenges I think are um, are the client's perspective of what a wedding planner is supposed to be. So i um I recently had to let a client go because they um they had this assumption that I was supposed to somehow magically fix and um, take care of all of their needs um on whatever time frame they didn't respect my time. I was up to like two in the morning trying to draft an invitation for them, and the next day they were like, We don't like it, you need to start over and I'm like that's not how this works you know Um, while I work to alleviate some of the stress and pressure um, of wedding planning I'm not your slave I have other things and responsibilities and other clients that I have to tend to Um, so I also want clients to understand that um, wedding planning is a partnership I don't just somehow take over um, but we are in constant communication. You tell me what your needs are and I tell you how I can meet them based on what package you purchase, one, um, and what what kind of time we're working with too. Like I can't um I can't throw you a um a glitzy, glammed wedding in two weeks, you know, or three months. That's something that would require a lot of time. So like one of the challenging things is helping the client to understand um, what role I play in the process, but helping them to also understand that it's a partnership. I don't just come in and assume the role um, and take over everything, but you kind of have to walk with me, hold hands with me for a minute. And then on the day of, it's like, don't worry about anything because we've already had the conversations and... Um, now I'm just, you know, I'm acting out or, um, executing everything that we've talked about. But yeah, um, something that most people may not know about, um, about wedding planning or about the job is that it is very much more psychological than it is financial. So when people think about wedding planning, it's like, who do I have to pay? When do I have to pay them? all this other stuff, um, when really a lot of the decision is based on things that, um, or memories that people have held for, you know, years and years and years, for those who have kind of dreamed up what their wedding would be like. Um, the the date that they pick um, usually has some meaning behind it. The vendors that they pick usually have some meanings behind it. Recently, um, just to kind of give you an example of that, I, um, I, I, had a client hire me on and they, um, were asking for like a photographer, a videographer and a DJ. So I sent them some people that were, that I've worked with in that area and they were like, um, no offense, but do you have any, um, people that you've worked with that are people of color? We just really feel like representation is important for the both of us because, um, I believe the bride, um, immigrated to the US and um, wanted her culture represented even in the putting together of vendors. And I was like, I would never, even as a black woman in the industry, I don't even think about that. I'm like, well, let me find you the person that, you know, that I've worked with, that's the cheapest, that's in this area and all this other things. But um, even the picking of vendors has more meaning to them. And like some people hire me based off of that. They're like, you know what? I think a black wedding planner would understand me a little bit better. I think a woman wedding planner would understand this caveat of this planning process and how I would feel and how I would react in this, uh, you know, this and that certain way. And I didn't realize that it was way more psychological than financial for folks. Uh, but yeah, that's something I think. Most people find, um, once they start wedding planning, but from the outside looking in, most people assume that it's just like, it's just the money that goes into it. That's
0: really interesting. And I that is really interesting to think about because, like I mentioned before, a wedding is one of those monumental days in your in a person's life. And so you want to be able to have some sort of relatability to the person that is behind yeah. making it happen or the people that are a part of making it happen. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it is also, I like how you mentioned that it's a partnership, um, that the responsibility isn't all on you and it's also not all on them as, as well. Um, so yeah, it's really, really good insight um, for people that, Are listening and may have no clue like like myself what really goes into the job so thank you for sharing that um we are gonna take a quick little break and then when we come back we are going to get into our topic of discussion i hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast before we jump back into our conversation did you know we're on instagram and facebook follow us on facebook at sit still with sierra and request access to our private facebook group sit still with sierra These are spaces where we keep the party going and have great dialogue. Now let's get back into the episode. Okay, so welcome back listeners. I'm still sitting still with Melissa Murphy. We're having a great conversation and um, I'm, I'm going to now call her in my brain now when I see like her posts on social media and stuff. I'm going to call her my future wedding planner. <laughs> um, I've already called it. But today, if you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about marriage rates specifically as it pertains to black women and black Christian women even more specifically. So my background, I'm a journalist, and so I always like to come with the facts, like to come with the data, Um, I don't like to just spew claims. So I would like to read, you know, I, I was reading a study, and it's a 2015 study that was published and the National Center for Biotechnology Information, and it explores why, compared to both white and Hispanic women, black women marry later in life, are less likely to marry at all, and have higher rates of marital instability. Now, the authors um, argue that the racial gap in marriage that emerged in the 60s and has grown since is due partly to broad changes in ideas about family arrangements that have made marriage optional. I do want to also point out that the three authors of this study were three white women. And I only point that out because I think there is a little bit of nuance um, Mm -hmm. that could have been missed um, because, you know, when you have three people of the same race or background, there can sometimes be things that are overlooked. So this is nuanced and it's even more nuanced when you think about Christian black women. Um, But Mm -hmm. do you, Melissa, do you believe that there are any factors from the church that contribute to Black women's lower marriage rates and why or why not? Oh, plenty. Plenty, <laughs> plenty, plenty. So, um,
1: I I thought about this and I sat with it for a little. I was like, you know what, this is true. And at some point, um, I found myself asking that question a lot. Even um, in the kind of younger years of my singleness, I'm like, something just feels off. and I would look around at people that I was working with, especially women in ministry, the black women in uh in ministry that I've had the you know pleasure of being uh being um colleagues with, they most of them were in their 30s, some forties, and still not married. Dynamic preachers, incredible just people all together. And I'm like, there's there's a theme here why is it um that you know these women are not being swept up as quickly as um as everybody else i just i don't understand um and it started to make me angry if i'm honest i'm like god what's going on because this don't this don't feel right and in the in the environment that i work in not just on the wedding planning side but all over um I see a lot of white, everybody else getting married, but it's like, the sisters is not. And I'm like, why? Why is that? Why, why are we there? But I realized there was something, um, I had to go back to the source. So I had to think about black women in general. So I did some research and right now as it stands, I think it's seven out of 10 black women are currently either single um, dating but not married. And three out of 10 are likely to not get married at all. And I'm like, yo, those numbers are kind of high. Where, what is this coming from? But I went and found me a study by some black folks. I was like, you know what? What do black people have to say about this? And Shalandra Bryant noted that um, black women are frequently provided with conflicting messages about intimate relationships by elders in their families and communities. So they took from a study, this was back in 1998, but see how familiar this feels in 2022. Black women are given one message of independence, God bless the child who has her own, with its implication that black men cannot be trusted to stay with and provide for women. And then the other message that they're given is that a woman's utmost goal is to find a man who will take care of her. So we want you to have your own, be independent, be the IBW, be the independent black woman who don't need no man, but you also need to be looking for a man that can take care of you. So work, but work. don't work too hard. Um, have your own, but don't intimidate um, the man. Uh, you know, Don't make them feel like they can't take care of you. So because of these mixed messaging, um, women are usually in the place where they don't form lasting intimate relationships um, or they experience difficulty because they don't know how to consolidate everything that we've been taught um, and we've been told. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. That makes a lot of sense. But to take it a step further, when we think about um, the church and its role in sending conflicting messages, sometimes Christian Black women suffer singleness because of expectation. So usually when uh, we think about the context of how Black women are seen uh, for being single, we're supposed to be caregivers, we're supposed to be able to tend to the home, cook clean. We're supposed to be a spiritual support um, to our man. So we need to be prayed up. We need to be praying for our spouse. We need to be all this other things. And not that those things aren't good, but if they remain the focus and you're not seeing any results of that, it's so easy to become upset or bitter or unsatisfied. We're also expected to be chaste, no sex before marriage, probably no kissing. You have programs like True Love Waits that are like, if you kiss your spouse before you get married, I don't know if you'll be as blessed to find a good man and all this other stuff. And the whole whole idea of purity culture is so damaging to women who may have had a sexual past and feel like they can't have a good or healthy relationship or they can't have a marriage because they're damaged. So the way that we exalt those who may have waited, the way that we exalt those who, you know, have abstained from, um, from sexual intimacy and things, um, can send the message to other folks who are still working out their salvation that this is an issue. So a lot of that, I feel, uh, contributes to like that, um, that idea or, Um, the truth of black women just not uh, getting married or not being picked up. Um, But also, we're fed the idea that we're asking too much if we want a man of a certain standard. So we're asked to settle, thrown in a singles group at church, recommended by every church mama to date their son. I can't tell you how frustrating it was. Uh, for, for me to be sitting in church and people to be like, well, you know, you're single. I think you'd be good with my son or my son doesn't have anybody or this, that, the third. And it's like, man, can y'all, I just, no, I don't want just anybody because I'm single. Like that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to, to just settle for whatever, because I'm not sure that anybody else will come along. Um, but yeah, I think some of those ideas kind of create that tension and make it very difficult to get to the aisle. It was already difficult as a black woman throwing the um, the um, component of the church and then it's like, this is like almost impossible, you know?
0: Yeah, you, oh Lord, you said so many good things just now um, and so many things that, i i mean i'm a young 22 year old and i'm in the bible belt south um so my experience with it is a lot of the things that you just named and coming out last year, leaving the church that I had been at for 13 years and picking up a lot of false doctrine as it pertains to purity culture or what it means to court versus date. But if you ask people what the difference is, they can't really tell you. Um, and also the nuance of race as well. Like I I know a lot of people that I went to high school with or friends that I have that aren't black. And most of them that are, you know, the same age as me, they're already married or they are engaged and I spent so much time feeling like, well, what is, like, where did we mess up? Like, did we do something wrong, God? Like, did black women do something wrong? Or, like, did we miss the mark in our community to where we hyper fixated on being educated and working too much? And now we kind of put being in a healthy relationship on the back burner. Like, these have been the questions that have been swarming through my mind, if I'm being honest, the past over a year. But specifically the past year, it's been very much at the forefront of my mind because I think that when you're in an environment where you kind of are the outlier you are the one that isn't in a relationship you are the one that isn't you know has not had a boyfriend like it can feel like oh there's something wrong with me or it can feel yeah. like oh where did we miss the mark but I I want to go back to what you're talking about when you're um when you're mentioning black women being independent and this is why stereotype, stereotypes are so harmful is because the stereotype of independent black woman it it's like it leaves no room for for nuance, and it's the binary of you're either independent, you you have a career, or you are not self-sufficient, you depend on a man, and you just stay at home, and you just are bare, barefoot and pregnant, like, there's no in-between room, and you are a prime example that you don't, it ha- doesn't have to be one or the other, it can be both and, um, and so I just... You mentioned single single groups and churches, which is a question that I have later on, um, because I think that the church is recognizing that something is off. But I, I wouldn't say that from what I've seen as a whole, I, I don't think that the church is still really making amends for the harm that they've done as it pertains to purity culture and just falsehoods when it comes to being single. So I do want to circle back around to that um, in a bit. But I wanted to ask you, because you got married in your early to mid-20s, so you don't fall under this study's specific category, um, or you don't fall under this statistic. Can you share your story of marrying your husband, and did did the church play a role in you guys' relationship, or was that kind of like you're leaving them out the mix, or was it that you guys kind of kept them in a the loop, basically?
1: Um. So, I mean, go, let me give you the tea, okay, so, um, my husband and i we met nine eight, eight years ago. what year are we in? I don't know um, <laughs> yeah, we met about eight to nine ish years ago. He was a friend of a friend, um, and I was actively involved in university in, in my um in my undergraduate college career, so university is like a um, a young adult kind of ministry where college students gather, study scripture together um, and form community, period. And uh, from the time that I was involved, university was my community. Now, there's an entity of university called Black Campus Ministries because university understood uh, the power of getting together with your own people. And being able to connect with those people on a regular degular Schmegular. And that was kind of how we met. Um, we were all within the same group. But um, it wasn't like a singles group. Like we was all single. But that wasn't the focus. Um, it was just building community and chasing God together. And we were friends for like a good minute. He was stuck in the friend zone because I was trying to date his friend. Um, but that's another story for another day, child. Um I was trying to date his friend, um, and I had an idea, I was kind of sitting in that perception of what I believed a Christian marriage was supposed to be, or what I believed singleness was supposed to be, and how I'm supposed to court, and if I did this, that, the third, and all this other stuff, and that just got to be too overwhelming, and I saw it, um, play out in the relationships that I had, they just either ended really bad, um, or they just never really got anywhere past the first or second date, um, it was just miserable. And um, Sean had always just kind of been in the background. He's not a very... Um, I won't say outgoing because he's he's outgoing when he wants to be, when he's comfortable. But um, he's not like a very uh, forward kind of person. Apparently, he had had feelings for me the entire time and just never said anything because I was over here chasing everybody else. But... Um, <laughs> Ah, I mean he just still kind of remained my friend um for a while until he was like I think I'm good with us not being just friends or for, for us you know to you know just have our relationship this way um and he kind of laid his cards on the table. And that was a place in my life where I had just finished uh, praying like, God, I'm done with dating. I'm done with this, that, the third. I'm done with singles groups. Don't ask me about nobody. There's obviously nobody around. Nobody is serious, all this other stuff. And then I get a text from him saying he's in town. And I'm like, oh, let's go to dinner. You know, let's go out or whatever. Um, and from there, um, after he and I... Uh, went out and he kind of laid his cards on the table, Uh, I began to pray because something felt different about the way that he approached me. I was like, this feels odd. And the time that you're coming feels odd because I just told the Lord I was done with all of this. I'm like, God, were you just waiting for me to be done? Were you just waiting for me to stop trying to figure it out myself? Yeah, like, were you just waiting for me to shut up? (laughs) (laughs) like because everything I would pray about would be my discontentment with being single it'd be my discontentment with the people I was dating they weren't serious they weren't this they weren't that I don't know how to fix this and I want this and all this other stuff and I'm like I think the Lord was just waiting for me to be like do you trust me do you really do you trust me like for real for real do you trust me to figure it out do you trust me um for this portion of your life can you be content with just me Can you be content with all that I I offer you as a, you know, as your God, as your savior, as your, as your everything. And, um, when, when I met my husband and I started to pray about his like involvement in my life, I started to, to look at the way that, um, he treated me. I would look at the way that he spoke about me to other people. I would look at the way that, um, that he allowed me to lead and be myself um, in certain aspects of our relationship. And I was like, yo, I can be completely myself with this person. Um, all the ambition that I have, all of the drive that I have does not intimidate him. Um, you know, I, I'm still in school, as I mentioned before. My husband has a high school diploma and a strong military career. Um, and often in the beginning parts of our relationship, he said he felt insecure about that. But it wasn't an insecurity that he allowed to um, undermine or um, intimidate him. Like he doesn't feel like that emasculated him any. And that stood out to me. I was like, I can really be um, autonomous while being with you. And that mattered to me. So after sorting this out with myself and me taking time to sort it out with the Lord, I brought it to my spiritual leaders. And I'm so thankful that I had healthy spiritual leaders who walked with me in my relationship with Sean, and still do. Um, That's a shout out to Pastor Tyler and Mylena Burns. Um, They have been been my like, my role dogs for the last eight to nine years, since they came into my life. um, I've been upfront and honest with them about relationships that I was pursuing. And they've been real with me. And that's what kind of helped to um, to keep Sean and I together. Um, but yeah, they told me not to overthink it. Like when I would think about purity culture, when I would think about going to, you know, fly and see Sean and spend a weekend and this, that, the third, they're like, okay, honor God, but have fun, relax, get to know each other figure all that other stuff out later. And because they helped me to alleviate that pressure, all of those ideas, all of those beliefs that I had held before, I could really just open myself up to get to know him. And when I did, I found out I really liked him. So we started dating December of 2016. We didn't say anything to anybody. When I'm talking about my church, ain't no, aside from my pastor's. Nobody knew Facebook ain't know until a year later. And after I posted him for the first time, I think three months later we were engaged. It's like, if I don't involve y'all on this level, on a congregational level, I think I'm good. Because if, you know, if I talk to too many people about it, everybody's going to be in my business. And they're mm-hmm. also going to come with opinions of what they think should be doing or how they think my relationship should look like and i didn't want that pressure and tyler and malina also understood that so i shared in honesty and you know in sincerity with them everything that we had experienced and they're like this is not a deal breaker this is not something that you know um you need to end the relationship for this is something that you can work out maybe you should ask about this and because of that relationship that strengthened my trust in Sean to be a good partner to me. Because the only thing that happened when we got engaged is that I just had more questions. I'm just like, how are we going to do this? How are we? I couldn't hear none of what Sean was saying when he was proposing because the questions were already formulating. And I still had um, my church family or my pastors as a backup to be like, remember what you were experienced when you were dating. Relax just relax pray relax ask questions yes but don't overwhelm yourself with those questions allow the holy spirit to lead you um and three and a half ish years later here we are married with a baby that don't mean we don't go through stuff because we've knocked heads a couple of times but i'm so thankful that i i dictated what um, church involvement would um, would uh, play a part in the coming together of my husband and I. If I would have left it to just the entire church, that just would have been an issue, period. But yeah. um, having a say-so in what, um, what role the church will play um, saved the both of us. It kind of helped us to just really be comfortable with coming together, bringing our families together, and then ultimately starting a family together.
0: that's so beautiful that's that's so refreshing to hear um that's why I'm smiling ear to ear while you're talking because it's just it's just so refreshing to hear people have really healthy experiences with church involvement and i I like how you mentioned that you. You and Sean dictated how much involvement the the church or the congregation would have, and to to go that year and not you know tell anyone outside of Pastor Tyler and Pastor Melina, love them, um, is something that I think people can really learn from because unfortunately you can't escape people's opinions once they know, um, and church people particularly have a way of um, somehow making their opinion Bible, um, and making their opinion known, even when he didn't ask. Um, I, even just in some of my experience I've had with like liking guys at church or guys like me. And it's like, all of a sudden everyone comes out of the woodworks under the guise of discipleship, but really it's just them being nosy. And it really does ruin it because it puts a lot of pressure on you for one. And two, it just, it just makes you feel like there's no room to make mistakes because. There's a bunch of people looking at you, and there's a bunch of people with their opinions. So I really like that you emphasize the need to have healthy spiritual leaders in your life. Everybody needs Pastor Tyler and a Pastor Mylena in their life. They do. Need- it makes all the difference because I know so many people that um, were kind of driven away from having their church or their spiritual leaders being involved at all because of their negative experiences. And I can't say they're not justified in doing so. Like... It it's traumatic to go through a really special moment or have a really special relationship in your life and it be tainted by people's just overly religious opinions and feeling like you going back to purity culture feeling like you you can't ever kiss while you're dating like that that to me I mean that's to each their own but to me it's certain things that is just like it makes it so difficult the day-to-day to to just live your life and feel like you have no room to make any mistakes. So uh, hearing that is so refreshing. I know that people that will listen to this will take something from that and it will be encouraging to them. Um, And I really think it's special, especially now that we have social media and sometimes Uh there is a pressure to feel like you have to post all facets of your life, relationships included, I like it when people pop out of nowhere and they're like engaged and you had no idea that they were in a relationship for a year or two years or however long. Um, It's their business at the end of the day. And again, sometimes people like to make their opinions law or make it seem like it's the Bible when it's not. So I I really respect that. Um, And I think that is a healthy way to go about it is prioritizing who needs to know and not feeling bad that everybody in your church doesn't know about it. it there, there's no guilt in that. There's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, wow. so that's really encouraging. So whoever's listening to this man, woman, young, old, whoever, if you're in a relationship and you're maybe contemplating not making it publicly known, there are pros and cons to both. And I think that Melissa's perspective that she just shared just now is really special and important. Um, so now I want to circle back around, um, cause we did briefly mention, um, single ministries and I will I will nix the last question so that we can focus on this for the remainder of the episode um so you know I said that some churches are trying to make amends um with some of the damage they've done with singleness by implementing single ministries and I think some some people's hearts are really in the right place like they're really trying to help I'm not saying that every single ministry is bad, so please people don't think that that's what I'm saying. But, you know, my former church had a singles ministry for women, and it was a really nice community to have. Um, And there are pros and cons to it, Um, but it was nice to have that community. But if you could reconstruct how churches approach singleness, what would you change or what would you do? For one, I do away with singles ministries. And
1: here's why. Wow! All together. I would do away with them. I'm sorry. I just would. I. They got the goof. I just think that single ministries have uh, a way of focusing on the lack of something, um, and uh, a lesser way of acknowledging that God is enough. 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 I'm telling you, if I, if I have ever learned anything in the process of getting married, being single, all of that, God is enough. And when I think about um, singles ministries, there just is too much pressure um, or too much um, expectation that if I join this group, um, whether it be an all-girl or an all-guy group, Um, or a mixed group, that I'm going to find somebody if I just do these steps, if I just hang around these people long enough, that will somehow put a spotlight on me to be like, hey, I'm over here. You know, I'm single. I'm in the singles ministry. I'm working for the Lord. Marry me. You know, I just, I feel like um, it puts even more pressure, especially on the black woman to be like, okay, I'm, I'm actively in this, Where where's my person? Where they at? You know, um, I changed them. Maybe I won't do away with them, but I changed them to young adult ministries. As I mentioned before, I was a part of a thriving young adult ministry. And um, I am honestly the outlier for folks who got married in that ministry. So the majority of us were black. And the majority of us are married now. Some of them married younger than me. I was 24 when I got married. A lot of them were 21, 22. Because we had come to, in a varsity, all of us were single. Every last one of us. But that just wasn't the focus. The focus was on pursuing the Lord and being content with Him. And in the process of that, we ended up finding each other. We're all pretty much married to each other. If I showed you a picture of our group, I'd be like, this person is married to this one on the left. This one was dating this one, but now they're married to this one on the right. And this one, like all our, a majority of our friend group is, is married off and starting families. Uh, We just married off one of our last university presidents a couple of months ago. I had the pleasure of planning her wedding as well. Uh, But yeah, all black, all married to each other, never attended a single group. We were just in a young adult ministry who focused on um, chasing the Lord and being in healthy community together. We all would hang out at Denny's till four in the morning or um, or steak and shake. Um, We would do Bible study together. We do our homework together. I mean, these are the people I would take turns um sleeping uh in the library with it's like one person is in the chair sleeping the next person is working on their paper the next person is you know getting snacks for the group we just lived in community together and after a while some of us started pairing up and people would come to our ministry thinking that they were going to find somebody and we would happily tell them to leave it's like that's not what this is about it happens Mm -hmm you know, because we're all in healthy, com- you know, community with each other, but this is not the focus. So if I could change anything, I would just ask that people would create young adult spaces where Jesus is the focus and being content with yourself is the focus because it will organically happen if you put plenty of people in an atmosphere like that. we talked about relationships but that just wasn't the, it just wasn't the, um, the direct, like, over, overarching subject of our time mm-hmm. together. Um, and that was healthy for all of us because although it was on our minds, um, if that was the only thing that we were thinking about, our relationships with Jesus would look like crap. It'd be awful because that once we arrive, once we get to that place, it's like, oh well, what else do I need God for, you know? Or what else, you know, can I find in my relationship with the Lord? I have this, now everything else doesn't matter, you know? Um, or I prayed for this and I got it, so I'm good, you know? But yeah, yeah. just making a uh, young adult ministry and pursuing the Lord the focus, I think would be helpful for any single
0: ministry. Absolutely, I agree 1000%. Um it's it makes me think of one of my favorite scriptures and it was my scripture for 2021 which is Matthew 6:33 seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added um added it, it it's so important and i know it may be a scripture or maybe a thought process that some people think is like overused or overplayed but it's so true just thinking about my my experience last year with freelancing last year was my first year freelancing like seriously and in January of last year I didn't anticipate everything that came with it but I knew that at the end of 2020 as I was making like you know I always do like vision boards things like that I knew that Matthew 633 was my scripture for the year I am focusing on seeking God's kingdom and whatever comes great cool awesome And so I want people to keep that mindset as it pertains to anything with being single, with pursuing a career, with your education, whatever facet of life. Seek first his kingdom. I think that we say that we trust God, but really, when we really get down to the nitty gritty, do we? Because I I will be the first to admit that I can freak out about time time is something for me it's like if it doesn't happen in this certain amount of time it's not going to happen da, 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 and i get overwhelmed when it's just like dude do you trust god or not he's going to do it maybe he's not going to do it when you expect but he's going to do it in his timing and in his way that is perfect for your life um it makes me think of pastor tyler he the series that he did towards the end of the year last year on godspeed it's not as important as when you get there um, as it is how you get there. What condition are you in? What condition is your heart in? So if that is the piece of advice that I could leave anyone, even if you're in a relationship and you're listening to this, if I could leave that piece of advice with you, it's, it's not as important on this certain time frame or happening in the way that you dream and vision. And yes, it's good to dream and envision what you want your life to look like, but I don't want it to take precedence over trusting God. So... Melissa, if you have any like 15, 20 second wrap up of any advice you would give or just anything you want to say as you wrap up, um, as we wrap up here.
1: Absolutely. Um, My advice to any um, Christian black woman or uh, black person or person um, who is pursuing the Lord, run for the Lord as hard as you can. Develop intimacy with him, not as a ruse for the discontentment um, or for your discontentment with the season you're in. But really immerse yourself in his love, mercy, forgiveness, and grace. Grind hard. Ask yourself what it is like, uh, what it is that you like to do, and find a way to do that thing with excellence and joy. Go out by yourself and in a group. Get some good girlfriends or guy friends and live. Date openly and discerningly. You never know what God might bring you if you open your heart. And lastly, open your heart, but take your mind with you. Use wisdom in who and what you give your time to. Don't be afraid to feel, love, lose, get back up, and try again. Trust God, drink water, lay your edges, and mind your business.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Round of applause. Round of applause. So, so good. Such good advice. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining me. Um, Where can listeners follow you on social media? And if they, hey, if they need a wedding planner, where can they find your, your work? Well, um,
1: there are a couple places you can find me on Facebook. It's Melissa Stephanie Murphy, my full government name. Don't steal my social security because it's hard out here. Um, My Instagram, uh, Melly underscore M-A-Y-Y-Y, Melly May. Um, My business also has an Instagram, allinoneweddings.events. And then I also have a website, www.allinoneweddings.events as well. Um, and then you can look up my um, my listing on the Knot and Wedding Wire under All in One Weddings and Events. I would be happy to work with you, and I do travel, so if you ever have a wedding outside of California, still happy to service you. But that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome, awesome! Thank you so much again, Melissa, and thank you listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got. You probably got like 50 takeaways from the knowledge that Melissa just dropped. But thank you all so much for listening. And you will hear me and another guest in the next episode. So stay tuned. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sit Still with Sierra. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or some other podcast listening platform, your support means the world. Make sure to share this episode with a friend or two, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I'm oh gonna